Blog Talk Radio. Neutral court games. We still got an eye on Louisville. 
And now you can look solely at Louisville with both eyes. What is your mindset the week of the UofL game? So ever since Saturday evening, the Ohio State game was over, Kentucky lost. It was a little bit of a surprising loss, especially considering the way Ohio State had played. What is your mindset now heading into Louisville? Coming off a win or a loss, regardless, now what is your mindset coming into the Louisville game? The second part of the question, what is your mindset the day of the Louisville game? That Saturday, when you wake up, what's your state of mind? Um, Are you nervous? Are you anxious? Are you excited? Confident? What's the emotions that you feel in the hours leading up to the Louisville game. That's kind of what we're trying to ask, what we're trying to get a feel for. Uh, I'm sure everybody has different feelings, um, different things that go through their minds. Of course, you know the players and coaches do, but as fans, you know, this is the game for our state, the rivalry game. If Kentucky was to go 1-30 this year, this is the one you want them to win. As a Dallas Cowboys fan, I remember Jimmy Johnson's first year in 1989. The Cowboys went 1-15. That one win came against the Washington Redskins, which meant that Washington was not sweeping Dallas that year. As bad as Dallas was, Jimmy Johnson getting things basically started from the ground up. The big Herschel Walker trade got all these players coming in. A young Troy Aikman. A young Michael Irvin, he's a young Emmett Smith the following year, putting all the pieces in place to win three Super Bowls in four years a short time later. That's what we're talking about here. You know, um, that whole mindset of, you know, you don't want to lose to Louisville. We get one shot at it. Not like North Carolina and Duke where they play twice in the regular season possibly a third time in the ACC tournament. If this is the one win Kentucky can have, this is the one you want. Want to beat Louisville. Like I said, if we went 1-31, 1-30, in want that win to come against Louisville. Just like that 1-15 Dallas team, they didn't get swept by the Redskins. Lost to everybody else, but they at least, you know, manned up and beat the hated Redskins one time. Same thing. So, you know, tweet your responses back at Cast Talk Wednesday. Uh, let us know your frame of mind, what you're thinking in the week leading up to Louisville, and then that Saturday morning when the actual game day arrives. So uh, look forward to seeing the responses there, and uh, I'll let you know kind of what goes through my mind the week of and then that Saturday. Does it change for you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday? Boom, is it totally different? Does your mindset stay the same? Just let us know uh, how it is for you leading up to Cats versus Cards. Coach Cal is talking now, started about 545 um, with his press conference. for, you know, talking about, you know, previewing the game against Louisville uh, and all the various media types, friends of the show that we've had on, as well as others that cover Kentucky. 
uh, are tweeting out various quotes, things that Cal is saying. Uh, Cal Tucker from the Career Journal has it streaming. Uh, he tweeted that out. Uh, our guy Larry Vault has a quote uh, from Coach Cal talking about Ty Winyard, the young fellow who just came over from New Zealand who could potentially at some point in the season be uh, another big guy that Cal can throw into the mix to, to bang and beat around and provide a little interior muscle that Kentucky needs on a consistent basis. Uh, Coach Cal on tie, according to Vault's views, our man Larry Vault, he just has to get in shape. It's just hard. Uh, and Cal, of course, has not really seen in practice. He is, he is kind of a mysterious dude. Uh, we've heard his name, don't know about him, you know, from the other side of the world. Uh, coming in mid-season, see that whole thing. Uh, but, you know, Cal even said, hey, I might throw him out there against Ohio State, which the game never allowed that to take place. You know, if Kentucky up in blowout fashion, maybe you trot him out for a couple minutes, let him bang, get a little lather worked up, commit a foul or two, grab a board or two. Uh, the game never set up that way take place. Uh, Kentucky was trying to come from behind and get themselves back into the game against Ohio State. Uh, but that, that was one of the quotes that Larry had from Coach Cal uh, with his press conference that's talking about the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, CoachCal.com, of course, Kentucky men's basketball, uh, all of them are tweeting out various different quotes uh, from what Cal is talking about. So we'll uh, look at a few of those right now as it's rolling. Some of you might be watching it uh, or have watched it as we speak. Um, let's see. Of course, Cal talking about wanting to be uh, classy uh, in regards to the fans and the shots that they take at Louisville uh, with all the scandal and the various jokes that could, you know, be lobbed their direction this coming weekend. Uh, Cal's done that before. Uh, so we'll we'll see how the fans respond to that or if they heed the advice or if they still go ahead and kind of go all in on the cards. Um, we'll, we'll see how, how it goes. He complimented the Wolver guards. The guards are playing well. They're shooting the ball well playing aggressive defensively, and that's, that's you know, the M.O. Uh, the, the defensive aggressiveness is the M.O. for the cards. Uh, towing the line, overstepping the line, pushing the line, pushing the envelope, you know, trying to be as physical as they possibly can uh, without getting called for fouls. You know how aggressive they are with their pressing and trapping and grabbing and clutching. And it, it opens up the game. We talked about that as well. Terry and I, you know, not always an aesthetically pleasing type game. This year might be the same thing. Uh, but Louisville is shooting better. Now, in, in the past, there's been always pretty much uh, know that their perimeter guys, outside of Luke Hancock, you know, who can stroke it, he can fill it up. A lot of perimeter guys are kind of streaky at best a little better off the dribble, uh, penetrating and trying to do that. Uh, and you wanted to see them shoot jump shots. You know, a lot of guys that you could live with them 
shooting the ball from the outside. A little bit different this year because they are shooting better, a better shooting team. You know, and that's kind of just been a, a thing for years. Rick just had teams of over that just couldn't shoot the ball very well. Um, we'll see if if they are consistently better across the board at shooting this year. Um, hopefully, Isaiah Briscoe, Charles Lewis, Mo Murray can can affect that and keep the streak going of them. Struggling from the outside, uh, they lost their big man Matthiang last Saturday against West Kentucky, out six to eight weeks with a broken foot. So they've uh, got a couple games to get used to him not being in the lineup. They still got a lot of other big guys as well. It's like University of Missouri, Kansas City last night uh, playing Utah Valley State or Grand Valley State tonight. So they're they're playing some games, and then you know, they'll have a couple games midweek leading up to the game against Kentucky and Lexington on Saturday afternoon. So uh, we'll get into more talk about the cards. We're back at Ohio State, branch on out like we always do, but but plenty to get to. Tweet uh, your questions. Tweet your responses. Give us a call, 845-277-9373. Listen to Cats Talk Wednesday. Uh, Vinny Hardy here. Be back in just a few minutes. We're going to take a quick break on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network on blogtalkradio.com. Stay with us. We'll be back in a few minutes.
Welcome back to the show. Cat Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy here. Hope everybody's having a good Wednesday evening. Hope you're enjoying the show. Give us a call, 845-277-9373. Uh, check the link and get the show live, blogtalkradio.com slash cat talk. Check it out there. Of course, the podcast of every single other episode that we've done in the past will be there as well. Well, if you're not able to catch us live, you can catch us at your convenience, and we'll be uh, right there as well. Check us out on Facebook, Cat Talk Wednesday, facebook.com slash Cat Talk Wednesday. Uh, Twitter, same thing, Cat Talk Wednesday uh, on Twitter as well. Let's see here. Um, once again, the mindset. We want to just get everybody's thoughts on the mindset. The week of the UFL game, the day of the UFL game, that Saturday, does your mindset change from Monday through Friday to different come Saturday? Are you just geeked, pumped, fired up all week long, uh, just intense and just locked in through the roof, kind of mellow and laid back through the week? Then when the game is on, then you kind of flip the switch uh, and you start yelling and getting the horse and all that. Are you a little bit of both, a little bit in the middle, one or the other? Uh, it's kind of just a question of the evening, if you will. Uh, and periodically there will be questions of the evenings from show to show, depending on uh, what strikes us or what hits us. Um, for me personally, I'm just as calm as I can be through the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, no big deal. And then you know, Saturday morning, it never fails at some point on Saturday morning, uh, whether I'm you know listening to the pregame shows or uh, you know, doing stuff like that, getting breakfast or just up and moving around the house. At some point, it was just, I don't do it. It just happens. I, I feel that just anxious, excitement combination, anxious, excited, nervous, all kind of rolled into one, and, and the, the switch is flipped because, hey, it's Louisville, here we go. You know, uh, and Kentucky's had success historically. Recently, uh, broadened it out, of course, in the series. Still, you know, it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's Louisville. It's, it's the Louisville game. Here we go. Uh, like I said, it's, it's always at some point Saturday, and it never fails for me. Monday through Friday, no, you know, Louisville hate me, whatever people say. You know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't, really, doesn't really jump off for me until Saturday. Sometimes it's an hour before the game, sometimes two hours before the game. Uh, sometimes I'm just – you know, you just get you just feel yourself getting hyped, and I just gotta turn it off if I'm listening to pregame shows. I gotta turn them off. I just gotta kill time some other way until the game starts. Um, it's just weird. Maybe I'm weird. Maybe some of you out there have the same experience. Uh, but that's why I just wanted to ask. It's different for everybody. Your approach heading in to the local game. So uh, interesting. Get some responses back from everybody to say. Um, 
the game against Ohio State was uh, shocking, to say the least, maybe. Um, and the the fact, maybe just the fashion that it happened with you know, Ohio State taking it to Kentucky, especially that first half, they hit some tough shots, like Cal says, and tough threes, the shots that normally don't hit. That happens, but, you know, it's something Kentucky's going to have to be ready for. It's part of the process. The coaches will get them ready for it. for guys coming at them and, and playing them, wanting to take down Kentucky. You know, this team is following the 38-1 team, so the target is on Kentucky, even though, you know, Carl Towns isn't here anymore. Billy Collie Spines isn't here anymore. You know, the Harrisons, a lot of those guys have moved on. You have Dakari Johnson, but yeah, Kentucky. That's what the opponents see. That's what opposing fans see. That's what surrounds Kentucky. And it has been that way for years. But everybody wants to beat Kentucky. Um, you know, Cal talked about the beer muscles and you know, Kentucky's everybody's Super Bowl. That's true. And no doubt, Cal knows that. The players kind of know that coming in. Uh, they have to kind of get used to it real quick because that's just the way it is. Kentucky's not for everybody like Cal said, but if you come and it's for you, this is part of the deal being everybody's Super Bowl. Uh, not saying Kentucky plays or will play perfect games every time out. Sometimes they have to gut out some of these games. Like last year, we saw the game at LSU. So that was a tough game against Georgia and Ole Miss and Texas A&M, where maybe you're not playing at your best, but you find a way to, to get through it. And this team we're going to have to learn that. Except throughout the summer, that this team could maybe uh, resemble that 2011 team. The 2010 team, Wallen Cousins was kind of just, ah, here we are, in your face, brash, deal with us. This is us. 2011, after that, you know, 2010 Elite Eight run, 2011, under the radar, took some lumps, got it together, boom, made a run in the tournament. Made a Final Four run in the tournament. Made it one step farther than the 2010 team. Said it all along that this could be like another 2011 type year standpoint of, you know, the domination of last year, 38-1 team, the way they ran through everybody. This year could be another the radar type year, even from the fan perspective, UK fan perspective for this team, until this team maybe gets it together and then makes another run and surprises everybody, as, as, surprises everybody as much as you can for being a Kentucky team with all the notoriety and prestige and press and coverage that Kentucky draws, elicits, if you will. This team could still kind of be a, a quiet squad, and then, boom, look at them there they are in the Final Four. It's not going to be a number one overall seed and, and, and just – beating everybody down. So that's that's kind of, if it makes any sense, my way to compare or my analogy for how 2011 team. And we said it over the summer. You know, Terry and I said it leading up 
two this season. Um, when we were in the slow periods of the summer, you know, we're talking about football, looking for the football season, but we, you know, talk about basketball. How it could be a year uh, as under the radar year, as under the radar a year as possible when we're talking about a extremely talented Kentucky basketball team. You know, and our our buddy Cameron Mills was on the Gabriel show last night, the Blue Insider, talking about you know, the talent still there. Still believe that they're one of the most talented teams in the country. When you look at collection of talent, and now the talent just got to meld together and just start playing as a team. Uh, and we've seen it happen before. It is a process. Um, the year um, 2014, the Harrison Twins freshman year, got destroyed at South Carolina. Cal thrown out of the game since the tweak year. We saw him talk about the tweak, and then you saw what happened see it in the tournament when a lot of people didn't see that happen, didn't see that kind of run coming from that team based on the track record that was pretty much the entire season. You just didn't see it clicking like that or coming together like that, you know, the, the Julius Randle team with the Harris twins. But it did. Uh, so this season is still it's still very early. Uh, of course, conference play is coming soon. You know, get past Louisville and jump into SEC play. And then you can kind of throw that Yogi Bear out there that is starting to get late early over there. But it's still early in the season. And um, just the way that the Ohio State game played out was a little bit shocking. Um, they were, in the, of course, down 37-25 at the half. Uh, a lot of tough uh, shots made by Ohio State. The three there at the end with the dagger. Um, but for the game, Ohio State 9 of 18 from three-point land. 50% from three-point land. Uh, 40% from the field goals made, 26 out of 64. Um, Kentucky nearly matched them for three. Um, nine of nineteen, 47.4%. That large part uh, to Jamal Murray in the second half, which he went off, just straight up, erupted, exploded, and single-handedly got Kentucky back in the game. You know, uh, 33 points, uh, had an assist, three rebounds, a steal. Seven of nine from three-point range, 13 of 23 from the field. That was what everybody was excited about in the summer. And we saw this in a couple of games. And we were on the Canadian national team playing against grown folks. And he was still, you know, when he decided to do his thing, he did his thing. It was catch and shoot from deep, you know, come off curls. It was floaters shooting, you know, accurately, getting tough shots with both hands. Uh, we saw a little bit of that. He put, he put on the show in the second half. Um, there was there's still a lot of things that could have happened, which this is the case 
any time a comeback falls short. You know, there's a lot of things uh, that could have happened. Uh, maybe if this happened, maybe if this happened, get a break here, get a break there, get a loose ball here, that kind of thing. And maybe Kentucky is able to, to complete the comeback. There were periods when Kentucky was down, they were getting stops. You know, they were playing some defense. They were, you know, tightening things up and offering some resistance to Ohio State. But yet, offensively, they weren't able away. They were missing opportunities to chip away. You stop, you go down, you don't get any points. And that happened several times. Uh, where you just let opportunities slip away to get yourself back in the game. And yet, of course, you're down 12, and you got a, a big mountain to overcome. But um, Jamal Murray definitely showed out. He, he, he willed them back into the game. And we'll talk more about that on the other side. Talk more about the second half of the Ohio State game. The show Jamal Murray put on. We'll take us a quick break right now. You listen to Cast Talk, Cast Talk Wednesday. Benny Hardy here. Man, TV's not able to be in this evening. Uh, to think about you. Hope you're enjoying the show. Back in a couple minutes. Cast Talk Wednesday on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network and blogtalkradio.com. Yeah, you can't buy happiness. I mean, that made me happy for a little while. <laughs> but once you fall in love, it's a different stuff. Now that I've found that, the world seems a lot better. Because I can't give enough of
Welcome back to the show. Cats Talk Wednesday. Jenny Hardy here outside of Knoxville. Raining like crazy. Uh, still warm like it is everywhere this winter. Quote, unquote, winter, as I use air quotes. Uh, but it's about to be real wet. It's about to be real rainy. Uh, so it's a weird spring-like April weather in December, but uh, whenever winter does slap us in the face, we'll deal with that, just like we're dealing with this rainy, soggy, sappy, soppy, soapiness. We stop saying all these words with S's. Stop trying to put myself in a tongue twister. But before we went to the break, uh, talked a little bit about Kentucky and Ohio State and you know, Kentucky was able to, to make the run. They were able to get it within three at 63-60. to 60. Uh, Down six, 63-67. Alex Porter picked a great time to hit his first three of the season. He'd been 0 for 7 coming in. Uh, he hit the three from the right wing elbow area uh, and made it. 63 to 60. At that point, you feel pretty confident that, you know, they got the momentum. Maybe we can get Ohio State to crack and come down again in there. Uh, Pushes that the line for uh, a one and one. And you miss the front end of a one and one where you can cut the lead to potentially two or one. It's already one possession game. You still get even closer. And uh, not able to get rebounds late, not able to get some loose balls that uh, were securable from Kentucky's standpoint. Uh, Cal talked about it. Poke Murray had a loose ball, just to go to get it. Uh, trying to make a sliding, skidding stop, and it was out of reach. Uh, led to an Ohio State run out. Kyle uh, Ulis. Uh, Grab the kid for Ohio State, which led to an intentional foul because he was behind him. He wasn't trying to keep him from scoring. A letter of the law, that is an intentional foul, flagrant foul. And so they got two shots in the ball. They got to lead back up to five or seven points. Kentucky uh, wasn't able to, to make another run to get over that hump. Uh, they got right there, down three. And, you know, that was, and like I said, anytime the comeback falls short, there's things you can look at as to why it didn't happen. Uh, anytime a comeback is successfully accomplished, you can look at things and point to things. Well, if that was pivotal here, oh, that was critical there. If they don't get the loose ball here, then they don't. You know, you can then play it out either way. It's always that way. Uh, and there's just different things where where Kentucky wasn't able to get some rebounds. Led to a lot of held balls where they couldn't just flat out got possession of the ball, giving themselves additional opportunities uh, to continue getting back into the game. And it put even more pressure on Ohio State. So they got the feeling that they kind of let them off the hook. They give them credit to they made plays, made free throws, um, and made free throws. For the entire game, they were 13 of 18. I'm sorry, 13 of 17. Uh, so better than three out of four, 76 and a half percent. 
Kentucky took you eight out of 14 from the line, 57.1%. So, you know, lots of things, a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, Scallop this year, you know, you saw just the glimmer of a little bit of progress. You saw him take an open jump shot. So he takes some shots this time uh, that he had been passing up uh, in other games. He ended up being one for seven from the field, um, rebounds, a couple of blocks. Um, five rebounds is a lot better than we have seen lately. Uh, a couple blocks is good. He ends up there for 21 minutes. Um, at one point, saw him <laughs> – heated, maybe, like he was going to get up and try to go do something. Somebody got under his skin a little bit, and his pass was intercepted. I think Portis and Mark Lee kind of got in front of him and, and kind of headed him in another direction. So that's some fight there. Uh, you know, he was irritated enough to go and maybe had thoughts of stepping towards somebody to try to scrap a little bit. There's, there's a little fight there. Um the, the basketball toughness is what is being questioned and what has people confused, flummoxed, frustrated. Because um, we've seen flashes of skill. We know he's not bulky, not a big dude. Uh, so, you know, got to get stronger, got to continue to get some strength. Not going to add weight, but try to get a little bit stronger, even though you're you know, feeling wiry. And it is. It is a process. Uh, everybody's saying no need to just keep pounding him and piling on him and beating him up. Just wait and see uh, what will happen in a couple of months with him. They continue to work with him. Um, the instincts, his, his background, hasn't played a lot of basketball. Um, so just the, the toughness part of the basketball game, you know, he's from, not from New York, Chicago, like he was from Bristol. Um, he's a laid-back, nice kid. Maybe that will translate into a transition, and, and we'll see. You know, come you know, February and March, we'll see what happens. Um, but, you know, a, a couple little baby steps, if you will. Um, but we'll see. The, the process continues. It's, you know, um, just kind of expected as Kentucky fans to see all the big recruits come in and you just assume, you know, hey, they they just going to come out and start balling. Just going to come out and uh, even when it is a transition, even when it is a learning curve like Carl Towns, uh, Anthony Davis, you still have, have seen in the past from those guys a little more than you're seeing from Scout. This is totally different. So, and, you know, getting impatient and upset isn't going to speed it up. It's going to click when it's going to click when it comes to Scal. Um, teams are going to continue to play physical with him and, and knock him around, and he's going to continue to try his best as he can to learn on the fly, uh, learn as he goes, and, and soak up as much and grasp as much and pick up as much as he can uh, along the way. So that's kind of where he's at. I'll wait and see what happens uh, in a couple months with him. And that's basically uh, 
all that you can do. As long as you need to can't rush it, just gotta roll with it, basically. Um, so once again, like I talked about Jamal Murray, put on an absolute show, and we saw signs of what uh, made him desired by Kentucky or to uh, get an offer extended to him to become a Kentucky Wildcat. And, you know, he's still learning as well. Uh, we know for a while Cal was, Cal was trying to rein him in as far as discipline and things of that nature, uh, teaching him what a good shot is, what a bad shot is. He thinks every shot is a good shot. The kid has no concept of what a bad shot is. But you might just have to roll with him, especially offensively from this standpoint of, hey, this dude can take over, you know, and when he's got it rolling, roll with him. Feed him the ball. Uh, and then whatever you get from Fortress um, and, and, you know, Willis went healthy, Ulyss as well went healthy because, you know, still don't think that elbow was right. Uh, we saw how well he shot last year. Him and the team struggled a little bit. Uh, he was one for seven from three point line, uh, four for twelve for the game. So, you know, and started out, you know, you're rolling. He scored the first seven points of the game. Um, but you know, he's a fighter. He's a competitor. But I still don't think uh, he's 100 percent healthy. You know, since sustaining that. Uh, elbow injury. Uh, Michael Mulder got out there for four minutes, uh, took a three and missed it, but got beat badly on the baseline. You know how Cal always talks about, you know, even if you're, you're missing shots, you got to defend, keep it zero zero. Don't, you know, go out there and miss a shot and then go out and give up buckets to the other team on the other end. So, uh, his man blew by him on the baseline and, and scored easily, and Motor didn't really offer a lot of resistance, and you didn't see him after that. So you, you knew as soon as he blew right by him, uh-oh. That's, you know, he had, he had a chance to kind of to make some hay, make an impression, and he didn't slide over and get a hip and a thigh and, and – forearm and a shoulder over to impede that guy's progress. And, you know, he, he strode right down the baseline, which is an extra defender, uh, right around Boulder for a bucket. So um, he just knew that wasn't, that wasn't going to fly. It never does. Uh, Derek Willis had a lower body injury, some say ankle, some say knee, that he was battling that kept him from seeing any action. Um, so he didn't play, but you know we was we just gotta wait and see now what happens against Louisville. Um, they are coming in ten and one, playing Utah Valley tonight in about fifteen minutes. They play their twelfth game of the season. Um, their schedule, when you look at all the rankings, Kent Palm and all that, I'm not a huge researcher of that. I should check it out a little bit more, but um, they're in the 300s when you look at their strength schedule. Um, and, you know, when you rattle off those names, you can see why. You know, Stanford, Hartford, North Florida, St. Francis, New York, St. Louis. Now, December 2nd, 
three weeks ago today, they played at Michigan State. And that's where they suffered their only defeat of the season. Uh, but they, you know, they played well up there uh, in Lansing on the Spartan home court. They lost 71-67, had a decent little lead into the second half of that game on the road in a tough environment. You know, got to get on that whole thing. Uh, they they represented themselves well in that game. Um, then the schedule went back to being what it basically had been all season. After Michigan State, you had Grand Canyon, Eastern Michigan, Kennesaw, Western Kentucky. Last night, Missouri, Kansas City. Tonight, Utah Valley. Uh, and then they'll be at Rep Arena Saturday. So they're still probably better than than we thought. And you got to factor in that they haven't played a lot of competition. One game they did have, they played Michigan State tough. So it's a robbery game. They're going to play tough. They're going to play physical like they always do. Um, it'll be a battle, battle last year. Um, always a battle. Now, you know, Kentucky coming off a loss at home, chance to bounce back. Um, got some guys that have been through this rivalry game before. It'll be the first time for Isaiah Briscoe, but he's not the type that's lacking for confidence. Um, Murray either. Uh, he was through it. saw him last year, of course, in Louisville. <clears throat> Blood streaming down the side of the face as he played an integral part. Uh, Cats eight point win at the Young Center. Uh, I think Charles Matthews can get out there and be a little physical, especially defensively. Uh, maybe Dominique Hawkins might be the type of game where he plays. Um, they got the big men by committee. You know, Porter's Gal, Marcus Lee, um, maybe Willis if they felt he can get out there a little bit too. Uh, you really want to see Mulder. They because they have said there's minutes for him. Uh, he's a shot maker. Uh, got to make them in practice, not make them in the games. But and then defensively, you know, you got to not – you can't just go out there and get burnt, can't get toasted, even if you're still struggling to find your rhythm on the offensive end. Uh, so it's, it's Kentucky, it's Louisville, it's Cal, it's Tino, it's the robbery, it's red and blue, that Rupp Arena. Uh, Saturday morning about, uh, I'll say – 10-15, I'll probably just, you know, flip my switch and I'll, I'll be intense and I'll be adrenaline, I'll be flowing, you know. Uh, it's usually when it happens, sometime, you know, leading up to the game. Um, so we'll be ready for it. Should be a good crowd. The rep will be ready. We'll be rocking. And uh, we'll see what happens. See if Kentucky can make it 8 out of 9 against one Rick Pitino in this rivalry. Cal, see if Cal can go eight and one against Rick in this series. So, uh, looking forward to it, anxious about it, excited about it as always. Uh, it's gonna be fun. Uh, it's gonna be dramatic, anxiety, anxious moment. The whole nine, like it always is. Uh, it's the rivalry game, biggest one in the state. Everybody looks forward to it. Um, and so we get another edition Saturday, high noon, at Rupp Arena. 
flip the football. There's, of course, um, some changes on the defensive staff. I'm sorry, on the coaching staff. Um, and one is offensive coordinator. Shannon Dawson is not going to be back. I got to cover the game for CameronMillsRadio.com, the Louisville game, that is, the final game of the season where Kentucky was defeated and was not able to get that sixth win to go to a bowl game. In the post game, I got to go and watch Coach Stoops come out and address the media. <clears throat> and my uh, friend Jim Smith from Lake the Herald Leader, friend of the show, she was on with us last week, been on a couple times before. She asked Coach Stoops point blank right there in the post-game media session, um, are there going to be any staff changes? Had you looked into staff changes, things like that. And Coach Stoops said that he wasn't prepared to talk about staff changes <clears throat> at that time. So, you know, gave her the, the kind of, you know, I'll just finish this game, hadn't thought about it, that kind of answer. And, you know, the speculation was uh, flowing anyway. And if Jen hadn't asked, I'm sure some uh, other media, member of the media would have asked him at some point during uh, the press conference. Uh-oh. Then you fast forward some days and some weeks, and the news comes out that Coach Dawson is not going to be back at Kentucky. Tommy Maynard, the wide receivers coach, is not going to be back at Kentucky. And you know, the wide receivers, that was uh, the offensive. I wrote, I wrote a piece for CameronMillsRadio.com. It was just like a, a bad plate spinner, you know, at the circus or doing a show, trying to keep plates spinning. But there were just way too many plates that hit the ground for Kentucky this year. You know, a, a plate spinner who was doing good still has a lot going on, a lot to cover, a lot to keep his eye on a lot of ripping and running to do to keep it going smoothly. And that's when it's going smoothly. Well, Kentucky just never could quite go smoothly, Uh, especially after the Eastern Kentucky game. It just was glaring uh, issues. If it was the the offensive line, the protection problems, uh, accuracy from the quarterback position, when the pass was fairly accurate, uh, we had trouble bringing the pass in from the receivers. Uh, it was just always a moving target of what you need to address, what you need to fix. My receiver was one that was uh, glaring and a source of frustration considering how uh, talented some of these receivers were coming in. So Tommy Maynard is not going to be back. He's going to have a new wide receivers coach new offensive coordinator, third offensive coordinator in three years. Uh, and Justin Rowland, when he was on with us, is it going to be in three years? And, you know, he didn't rule it out. And, of course, that's the way it has played out. Uh, be the third offensive coordinator in three years. Uh, and it's a big hire for Mark Stoops. Uh, Drew Barker is the guy now. Patrick Toll's transferred. Uh, and it just came out two days ago that Boston College is a place where he chooses to finish out his college career. So Drew Barker will be the guy for the guy who is the new offensive coordinator, who looks to maybe possibly be Eddie Grant, 
school is the offensive coordinator at Cincinnati. And they're in a bowl game against San Diego State. And Eddie Grand, a lot of experience. You know, been at Tennessee, been at Florida State, been at SEC for years. Uh, a lot of different things. And we um, maybe he's the guy. You know, we're after the bowl game. We'll see if uh, it is announced that he is the offensive coordinator at the University of Kentucky. So um got those things going on, and we just all continue to kind of watch and see how it plays out, see what the situation is. Um, maybe potentially another change in the works. Coach asked about that, said it might be something else, or maybe it's one of his guys leaving to take another job. Uh, something like that. There was also a talk that um, Andy Boo had turned down a job at a top five school. So there's still um, some news and notes and I's to dot and T's to cross, if you will, concerning the UK football staff, the look of the staff going forward. Uh, and the look at the team going forward. There'll be some, some transfers and things like that, some attrition. Uh, some nice additions are coming in. You know, Drake Jackson, Tate Levitt, some, some offensive line help is on the way. Um, and uh, the big D lineman that might be coming in from the Juco route. So it, it's, it's going to be different. It's always ever-changing. Uh, this year will be different. It just will be critical that everything take uh, take effect better, uh, everything click better and deal better than it has uh, in the first few years of Mark Stoops' tenure. And the improvement from year one to year two was there. <clears throat> uh, and then, you know, looking forward to some of that improvement again from year two to year three. He had a couple of years of missing a bowl game by one win. Schedule is tougher next year. Last year it was home hit past year it was home heavy. Um, gets more road heavy next year. Alabama is the SEC West opponent that will rotate into the schedule. Uh, you have got the permanent deal with Mississippi State, but this, this time Alabama is the other one. Um, so that is never easy. And it's at Tuscaloosa. So, uh, that makes things dicey from the jump. You know, the Southern Miss game, the open the season, is a dicier than if it was still UAB on the schedule. So, I mean, you know, Coach Stoops looks to be here a couple more years, but still, hopefully, uh, some things can go his and UK's way next year on the football field. Just uh, make everybody feel a whole lot better if that was the case. So um, before you know it, it'll be spring practice again and be looking forward to the season and wondering about the season. And, and then the season will be here. That's the way it is uh, every single year. Uh, so we can only sit and wait and see what happens. We'll get to another break. We'll talk on the other side. A little NFL talk, a little NBA talk. Um, Branch out like we always do. Uh, once again, the number is eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three at Cast Talk Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, 
This is Vinny Hardy here. I'm going to take us a quick break. This is Cast Talk Wednesday on the Berlin Hardy Radio Network on blogtalkradio.com. And 
first let's just look. I mean, um, a lot of people looking at this as an opportunity to 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 jump on him to bash him for other things that he said in the past prior to this. That may not agree with what he said. So all of that out of the equation. Let's just look at Sunday and just look at Steve. Period. I mean. This guy is 58 years old, and look at how much he's got going on. I mean, you know, look at his just comedy alone, his career as comedian alone. He had done stand-up until he felt like retiring and then dropped the mic and called it a career. He still had a heck of a career, but in addition to being – you know, stand up, which you know put him on the map. Now he's you know on television, you know TV host, which probably you know segue into this Miss Universe deal in the first place. Got his own show in the evening, Steve Harvey show. Got Family Feud, you know he's hosting that, you know, the classic game show. Prior to that. You know, we had his show, Steve Harvey show back in the day, uh, TV series that he had way back that was, was funny himself, such an entertainer, and all those individuals. Uh, you know, he's acted, he's been in movies, you know, act like a lady, think like a man. Uh, he's an author with books, with straight talk, no chase for how to find a superman. You know, relationship advice type stuff. You go way, way, way back, and I mentioned the comedy. One of the original kings of comedy, Steve Harvey, D.L. Hughes, those guys. Oh, uh, go way, way, way back, and he hosted Showtime at the Apollo, the talent show. He hosted that, you know. Where you just stroll out, are you good enough to try to cheer for you? Or are they going to turn on you and um, boo you off the stage before you can finish your act? That's pretty much the way it is. So, this guy's had a heck of a career. You know, he's done tons of things in his career. You pick any one of those things, and it is really uh, something else. Uh, Instead of Jim Tainer, as mentioned earlier, also when they read Kings County as well. But Steve D.L. said, and the late, great Barney back. Um, so the Miss Universe competition that's coming down to the, the finalists, and it's Miss Columbia, Miss Philippines, and Steve announces the winner as Miss Columbia, when in actuality, uh, Miss Philippines was the winner. Miss Columbia was the first runner up. He tried to apologize right there on the spot, and you know, it's about the ladies. Don't, don't, don't crush them. Uh, it's on me. I take responsibility. It's on the card. This is the card right here. And so, um, you know, caught a lot of heat trending on Twitter. People tweeting him support. People tweeting him, you know, messing with him about it and giving him grief about it. And when you boil it all down. Professionally, this is this is a a a glitch 
a embarrassing moment, a low point, if you will, uh, for Steve. Um, because you're on this huge stage, you know, some people watching, some people there live, and you have a big gasp. So from that standpoint, it's huge, and oh, you know, the Homer Simpson, no, it's one of those moments. And, I mean, it's not the end of the world, but, you know, from, from his standpoint, as a as a host, you know, he's been on TV, he's hosted events, he hosts game shows, hosts his own uh, daytime TV show. It's a gas. It's a big mistake. It's an embarrassing moment. You wish you could, you know, rewind and have it back. None of that's going to happen. But when you look at Steve from personally, no doubt, he's he's been through a lot more personally. When he was a struggling comic trying to make it and and get to where he is now, no doubt he faced a lot more adversity than what happened Sunday. Uh, A lot more real deal stuff than the gaff hosting the Miss Universe pageant. You know, he's done in his act, in in his comedy. (laughs) He talked about, you know, getting fired from multiple jobs and, and you know, having to bounce around. Uh, did a whole routine about how you handle getting fired and reactions to it. And, you know, so it is a, a black eye and everybody's talking about it and tweeting them and, and all that. But from, you know, real deal perspective, real life, it doesn't compare. Even though Professionally, with him now being in TV and doing that, it is a little bit of snafu. But Steve's gonna be fine. He's got the you know on vacation right now. He's not even on his radio show. So he tweeted out a posse, uh, and you know <laughs> messed up the tweet that he was tweeting the posse with. But he still, you know, handled it as best as he could considering what happened. And the, the next Miss Universe pageant has already said welcome to have him back. And no doubt he probably will want another shot at hosting the event again. And they're all cool with it. So they would love to have him back as well. So uh, let's have to hit the little Steve Harvey news uh, because it is still big time news. Been big news since Sunday night. It is Wednesday night now. Uh, it's going to die down. Uh, Steve will continue to do his thing, still grind, and like he does every day on the radio, on Family Feud, uh, and all the other endeavors he's got, the books he's writing. So he's going to be fine. Um, and, you know, he rolled with it. He made a mistake. He owned it as best as he could um, in that moment. Um, the tweet had a couple issues, but still, yeah, all in all, hey, it's just all you can do when you slip up. You embarrass yourself, you got to laugh at yourself. Everybody's going to laugh at you, and, you know, that's, that's all you got to do. You got to roll right with it. Okay. Um, so let's move to uh, NFL a little bit. Let's talk about it a couple weeks ago just to see what the mindset is of Cincinnati. When when, when I got on Cincinnati a week or two ago, uh, when Terry and I, we got to talking about Pete Rose, um, continuing to be banned from baseball, and you know we talked Reds in that angle, and didn't make it over to Bengals. 
And this was fresh off of when Pittsburgh had gone into Cincinnati, beating the Bengals 33 to 20. And in the process, Cincinnati lost Andy Dalton, who was injured, making the tackle after he had thrown a pick. So, I mean, I'm not a Bengals fan. I never have been. I know the majority of our home state of Kentucky. Um, Cincinnati Bengals fans. Cincinnati is the closest pro city to well, Kentucky in a lot of ways. Um, and there's a lot of Bengals fans for that. And the Bengals going to doing training camp down in Georgetown for years and years. You know, just fosters that Bengals culture in northern, central, and in most cases even south, eastern, and southern Kentucky. Um, but my thought was, what is what are Bengals fans thinking? You know, here we had a pretty nice season. We start out eight no lose at home on Monday night to the Houston Texans. The next night, uh, the next week, to the Arizona Cardinals. That we had another tough place to play. Uh, Carson Palmer, former Bengals quarterback, beats his own team, and you know you you rebound from that and get your win or two. You sit on ten wins. And then, you know, you, Pittsburgh comes in and you have a chance to clinch the division right there. And no doubt you want to do it against the Hate Steelers. They ran that division for years between them and the Ravens. The Bengals always trying to fight and, and gain some respect. Uh, still trying to get over that. We haven't won a playoff game in ages. Pump under Marvin Lewis. Uh, finally got out of the cellar. Where it used to be the Bungles, they were down there with the Browns year in and year out, making the playoffs consistently, but haven't made a playoff run. You know, Steelers have won Super Bowls in this millennium, Ravens have won Super Bowls in this millennium, and now you know Cincinnati is just trying to to, to get some respect. And it's not going to come until you make the playoffs. Uh, you remember the last time they were good when Carson Palmer was there, they make it to the playoffs against the Steelers, and then no sooner than he steps on the field and drops back for pass, he has the knee injury. So now we're rolling along from the Cincinnati fan perspective, having a, a good year, and Dalton doesn't even make it to the year injury-free. AJ McCarron stepped in, they got a win over 49ers last week. Um, he's still going to be his ship for a while. Still going to see how things are for them for the playoffs. They have a good team. Uh, it's not just the Red Rocket and you know a bunch of dudes. They got a, a solid defense. Got two good running backs. Giovanni uh, Bernard, Jeremy Hill. Got AJ Green over there out of Georgia. Our receiver. He's one of the elite dudes in the league. So they they got a squad. So how do they handle it? How can they weather the storm? The adversity has hit them right now. A uh, good win over the Niners. Struggling 49ers team who's been out of it for a while, just like my Cowboys have. Um, but now the thing about them, you know, going forward, it's still it's still playoffs are bust. It's playoff win or bust. Uh, and you hopefully it's more than one win. Now that first win is going to be the hardest, obviously, because it's been so elusive for so long. But, you know, you want to see them try to to do that. And it's not going to be easy for them this coming Monday. They're out at Denver. <clears throat> the 
struggles they've had in prime time are, are well documented. The, the loss to Houston was on a Monday night, then they went out there on a Sunday night and lost to the Cardinals. Now at Denver on a Monday night, Denver is coming off of a loss to, you guessed it, the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they were had a nice lead and ended up losing. Pittsburgh went on a big run and beat Denver. Cincinnati is 11 and 3, <clears throat> heading out to play 10 and 4, Denver. Um, Cincinnati has clinched the playoff spot, and, and Denver would love to make a little noise and, and spoil this because you know, Cincinnati A is ahead of them in the standings and then the conference rankings and the AFC and seedings and all that. B, the Kansas City Chiefs are now one game behind the Denver Broncos. Kansas City is nine and five and breathing down Denver's neck for you know the AFC West division. So uh, Denver's got you know a lot of pressure on them to, to go out and get a win. Um, and <laughs> Cincinnati is at Denver. Kansas City plays host to Cleveland. Kansas City's got a lot easier road Sunday uh, than Denver does. But Denver and Cincinnati both, no doubt, uh, would love to get this win in their pocket. Win number 12 for Cincinnati. Might be 11 for Denver. Um, Brock Osweiler said it's a battle of backups. Brock Osweiler has been, you know, relieving Tate Manning. And now A.J. McCarron is in relief of Andy Dalton. So, uh, going to be really interesting to see what happens this coming Sunday. Now, I don't have a dog in the fight. You know, my Cowboys mercifully, finally, thankfully were eliminated. So, they can really kind of look to next year. You know, Kellen Moore is going to be starting now. Why not? You know, Brandon Wheaton and Matt Castle have seen that in the offseason. Um, lost another one. Close game. It's coming to the Jets last Saturday, 1916. Um, you had a 13-12 loss to Seattle. You had, you know, a lot of close losses. Overtime loss at New Orleans. Uh, Seven-point loss to the Giants. It's just been that kind of a year. Um, and that's at Buffalo Sunday. But that's not going to be easy. The hated Redskins did just beat Buffalo this past Sunday, 35 to 25, Buffalo is six and eight. Uh, they can win out and get to 500 uh, for Rex Ryan, um, but you know it's it's been a little bit warmer than normal all over the country. That may help the Cowboys out that it's not you know 120 below when they get to Buffalo, but uh, they still have a good defense. We'll see what Kellen Moore can do. Um, and it's just, you know, two struggling teams finishing out the season. But, you know, some of these guys with Dallas can audition and, and see what they can do next year. Because, you know, Dallas is 4-10. And, um, you know, just injury bug just ate them alive this year. And now they're playing out the string. I'll finish up at Buffalo and then hold out the season with the Redskins at home, which is unbelievable. But I still can't believe that they are in first place. That shows you the state of the 
NFC. I mean, if I if I want to really rant, the Washington Redskins, um, historically probably the team I dislike the most in the NFC. It's always between them and the Eagles. Uh, I mean, you know, Giants are kind of. I don't really hate the Giants. It's always the Eagles and Redskins. Never like them. The NFC East is so bad that the Washington Redskins at seven and seven lead the division. The Washington Redskins have been a dumpster fire for years. And the one good year, RG three got to the playoffs as a rookie. Outside of that, they haven't been any good in forever. And in a typical NFC East. You know, the 7-7 seven and seven that they got right now wouldn't be good for first place either. Uh, that's just the way it is this year. Dallas was so ravaged by injuries that New York should have ran away with the division. It was the Giants' division to probably, and, you know, the Giants' division to win. It was theirs to take. Uh, you know, still can't say you really trust Chip Kelly. And the Eagles and his system working in the NFL, a lot of his players don't trust him either. You can't say you trust Jay Gruden to really get anything rolling either. So Tom Coughlin sitting there, uh, won two Super Bowls over the Patriots. You know, Eli can be elite every now and then. They probably should have, you know, regardless of what's going on with them, taken advantage of Dallas having Romo, Tony Romo and Des Bryant out for extended periods of time and grabbed hold of this division, but they did not do it. But they're sitting at 6-8. and eight. The Eagles are sitting at 6-8. and eight. Uh, Looking up at 7-7 seven and seven Washington as they uh, try to win the NFC East. This is the division that has a quarter Roughly a quarter of the Super Bowls in the history of the NFL. We're looking at Super Bowl 50 coming up in February. So in the 49 previous Super Bowls that have been played, the NFC East is home to 12 of those Super Bowl winners. 12 Super Bowl trophies reside in the NFC East. The Cowboys have won five. The New York Giants have won four. The Washington Redskins have won Three. Three teams have won almost 25% of the Super Bowls ever. The three teams in the NFC East, Cowboys, Giants, Redskins, and that's with the Philadelphia Eagles contributing absolutely nothing. you got zilk, zero zilk from the Eagles. And this division still has a quarter of Super Bowls. This is the division we're talking about. The usually <laughs> traditionally thrown NFC East. This is the state that the division is in right now. The sad state of affairs the division is in. So bad that the Redskins have managed to take advantage somehow, in spite of themselves, found a way to be atop the NFC East. It's a sad state of affairs. It's not like Daniel Snyder and that organization got themselves right and, and you know, got a good product on the field and made some smart decisions and things like that. Just everybody else is so awful. 
So that's where things are right now. We'll take us a quick break, and we'll pick back up with some more NFC East talk when we focus in on the New York Giants. Listen to Cats Talk Wednesday. Penny Hardy in. Hope you're enjoying the show. We'll be right back in a couple minutes. Cats Talk Wednesday on the Brandon Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Harlan County and 
uh, current coach of the Bell County Bobcats uh, basketball team. And um, I'm telling Dad, I saw him today. He came down. I live in Morristown. And uh, right. just ate with him at, at the Cracker Brow just a little bit ago. They weren't able to stay, so they were heading back home. But uh, I was telling him I'm going to have you on in a couple weeks, too. That's still good to come on in a couple weeks from the night. Oh, yeah. I, I, I... I I I didn't. I thought you told me to call tonight. I didn't know for sure. Oh no, no, that's I, fine. No, I, I think I put like because um, I thought everybody, like you said, be shopping and doing that kind of thing. And uh, so it won't be next week, but the week after, I'm gonna have you on too for sure. We better do both. Okay. Yeah, that's that fine. I'm just you just have to remind me. <laughs> okay. You hey, remind, I, how's I, your dad? How's your father doing, man? He's a good man. He's a he's a really good man. I, I mean, he's, he was a, when I was growing up. I mean, he was he was at every game I ever played. I guess I, he was always around. He was always supportive, man. We we every one of us that played, we really appreciated him, man. He was great. Oh, he's doing good. He's he's retired now and and comes down and and spoils my two boys every chance he gets and. Um, they and mom will uh, take my two boys up there, and they'll stay a week or two with mom and dad every chance they get to when my oldest ain't in school. So yeah, he's just he's riding his motorcycles and, and spoiling grandbabies now, man. He's loving it. I hear that. I hear that. He was, he, he, he was he was bragging on you too, uh, which is what I say. I'm a. Um, I thought I, I might have messed up when I was sending you the message on Twitter. I might have messed up, but I. I was telling him I was going to have you on in a couple of weeks because he wanted to call in so he could talk to you. Because when I told him that, he oh. said, oh, yeah, let me know. Let me know. I'll call in and, and I'll talk to him. So uh, we'll definitely get you on. And it's, I'm glad you called in tonight, but I'll definitely get you on uh, two weeks from tonight. That way he can be home or if he's down here, he can call in and talk All right. to him. Right. Sounds but, good, uh, man. He was bragging on you and, and, and basketball, football, about what an athlete you were and, and and the whole bit, man. And I was a little younger, but I remember you and Daniel, and of course, lucky dad having Vic in school, and and uh, yeah, dad was bragging on you and thought the world of you, and like just like Freddie, Freddie Maggard, whenever Freddie's on, dad will call in, and same thing, man. He loves you guys. Yeah, it, it, it was a during that time, man. That was a good time, good time to be growing up in Cumberland, Kentucky. That's for sure. Uh, you know, that was yeah. Lynch, Benham, Cumberland. You know, we uh, we was especially when Lynch came into Cumberland. That really, that really helped her, especially her basketball and her football programs. It, it really gave them a, it gave them a good, a good boost. And uh, you know, we're like a like a big family up there. You know how it is. Everybody, everybody's cool with everybody. Yeah, I still still go home every chance I get. Usually every. Not every couple months, so I'm I'm always going back because mom and dad's still there, and my granny on my dad's side, and my granddaddy on my mom's side, and still got family there, so I'm going back every chance I get to to visit and check on everybody. I don't blame you, man. No place like home. No place like home no. for sure. Not a bit. Not a bit. And uh, had a Harlan County kid, one of the boys at Jordan Smith, just putting us on the map. Uh, I hear that. The whole the whole world got to see a little bit about Harlan County for a good reason. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of good people come out of there, man. I mean, there's a lot of good people come out of there. 
that's for sure. I mean, and uh, as far as athletes go, I mean that they were during during my time anyway. You know, I always looked up to them guys. And, you know, you know Lynch had some great guys up there, Bruce Mitchell and all them guys that were playing during that time when I was growing up. Man, they was they were some ballers up there <laughs> for sure. <laughs> It, it, it's always been that way, man. You know, people don't really want to get a mountain's credit or don't realize, but it's it's always been talent for years and years. Yeah, yeah I'm telling you. I mean, they, they was they was great. I mean, I played with some great athletes, man, with with Paul and Paul Gaffney and Dirk Cal and Amos, Gary Amos, and you know, Richard Washington. All I mean, they was there was there was. There was really good athletes up there. I mean, and I played, you know, I played a lot of ball my lifetime, and we could play with anybody. There wasn't no doubt. I mean, during that yeah. time. That's right. You, uh, y'all on break right now for the team, or y'all got any games coming up over the break? Yeah, we're 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 playing, and we play, we're playing in the uh, over, after Christmas in the tournament down at Cumberland Gap. Uh, I mean, it, not Cumberland Gap, Cumberland uh, Lake Cumberland, and Somerset. It's a, it's probably it's a it's a it's a really good tournament. I mean, we're 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 a, my team's we're, we're got a bunch of hardworking kids, but we're not overly talented. Um, but they work hard, and you know they do their best, and that's all you can ask as a coach. So uh, yeah. they do a good job. They do a good job, and just um, you know. We, we're, uh, you know, we don't have six, 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 seven kids, and we've got to, we've got to, we got to fight and bite and whatever we got to do to stay in games. But they do, they do a good, pretty good job. Oh, okay, hey man, sounds good, and um, and I, I definitely can't wait to have you on when Dad can call in and. Oh, All right, I got, I'll, I'll call I got you back, man. I must, I got mixed up on what you told me, so. Uh, but it's always oh, good talking to you, brother. And hey, you too, I'll, I'll Just give me a message back here in a couple of weeks to, just to remind me, and I'll, I'll give you a call back in because I want to talk to your father for sure. Yeah, man, he, he's going to love it. I'll I'll put it out on, on the – we got a Twitter account for the show. You follow right. me on Twitter. I'll, I'll usually tweet it out probably that Tuesday, the day, of, the day or so in advance, and then that way – the listeners we got and give them a chance to know you're coming and, and we'll talk about we'll talk about you, your playing days, your coaching and you know, back home like we talked about now and we'll talk a little bit about Macy and all the things you do in the UK. And we'll talk about all of that, man. I can't wait. Uh, all right, man. It's good talking to you. You take care of yourself you. and have a Merry Christmas. Hey, thanks, Louis, man. Appreciate you calling. All right, take buddy. Care, we'll man. see you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right. That was Lewis Morris, coach of the Bell County Bobcats, Harlan Countyans. Terry will roll his eyes. But uh, we're going to have him on again in a couple of weeks to talk about his team and uh, his time at Harlan County and things like that. Stay right with us. We're going to take a quick about four or five minutes or so. Listen to Cats Talk Wednesday on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network. BlogTalkRadio.com. C'est bon ce que tu fais. C'est bon ce que tu fais. 
the town, go get some lunch It's 12 o'clock, sitting at our favorite spot Who you see, that's who we are In this loving friendship, ain't no difference Pineville and Middlesbrough. Uh, Lewis coaches Bell County. 
and he's the father of Macy Morris, who is currently a freshman at UK playing ball for Matthew Mitchell. She is a baller. She got it from her dad. We're going to have Lewis back on in a couple of weeks. My dad will probably call in, uh, talk about Lewis's time uh, and what a great athlete he was. He was talking about all the athletes he played with. Uh, he was a good athlete in his own right uh, from right there in Cumberland, another Harlan County, and I'm looking forward to having Lewis on. Appreciate him popping in and calling tonight. We'll have him in again in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll talk about all that. His time as a player, uh, his time now coaching, and now what it's like to have uh, his daughter, uh, Ashley University of Kentucky. Uh, she's had some good games already, shooting three, and no doubt she's just going to continue to get better. Uh, Jen Smith was on last week talking about how they were kind of giving her some crap about how she's not that good of a defender, and she is out to prove now that she can do it on both ends of the floor. Not just a shooter, but she can also uh, lock down the opposing team's good players. She did that against Duke. <clears throat> the girl that's from Kentucky, I can't remember her name, she's out of Owensboro. Uh, Macy shut her down. She had one point or two points for the whole game in what was a big win for the UK Hoocats over Duke. Uh, they beat Louisville already, as the men are attending to Duke Saturday. Uh, UK Hoocats beat Louisville again. Uh, then they beat Middle East and Tennessee State uh, in a potential trap game as they could have been looking ahead to Duke. They were not. Got Duke at home in Rupp Arena and beat them as well. So uh, despite all of the, the transfers and departures in the early part of the year, they had us all worried. Uh, Coach Mitchell has got ladies playing some good ball. Perhaps it was some addition by subtraction. And you look back now on the departure. So, Coach Mitchell had one that said they asked one to leave. The other three chose to leave. And so, everybody was wanting to panic and say, yeah, what's going on down there, Coach? But you know, they're out to a great start. Uh, and they're playing really good basketball, despite all that early season turbulence, if you will. <clears throat> now, we were talking about the state of the NFC East, how poor it is, so bad that the Redskins are leading the division. Uh, and I talked about how the Giants could have taken the ball by the horns and taken advantage of the Cowboys in situation. I still think Dallas would have been favored to win that division if you got a healthy Romo and a uh, healthy Des Bryant all year. We saw what they were doing the first couple games of the season. You know, beat the Eagles and beat the Giants. <laughs> Two division wins out the bat. Um, and and Romo was lost in that game against Philly. So uh, then the then the losing came in and didn't leave until they finally beat Miami when Romo was back. Uh, lost him again the following week against Carolina, and then they they up, upset the Redskins. NBC. So, uh, got four wins, three of them in the division. The win against Washington, but they were absolutely dreadful and still beat Washington. But the Giants situation, you had the uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Josh Norman, Scrappin', 
coming to blows all game long, just over and over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, you had to talk about the Carolina Panthers and, and the bat that they used as a motivational prop. You know, teams do have different things that can galvanize them and, and fire them up. Uh, now they're not going to use the bat anymore, even though there wasn't anything wrong with using the bat in the first place. You know, Odell Beckham was supposedly terrified and afraid for his safety. And, you know, the bat was not brought out onto the field. Things were said, trash is talked week in and week out. Um, Carolina may or may not have crossed the line on some of the things that they said about Beckham. Um, but, you know, it's just talk is talk. It gets heated, you know, smack, trash, you know, talking noise. It happens. And Odell Beckham just lost his mind. Just was trying to take shots at Josh Norman, who is a very good DB. Uh, all game long, you could tell that that Norman was in Beckham's head, which that's all he wants. He look how look how off his game he was. He was running and flying off the handle, and, and coming at Norman with all these cheap shots, you know, and sitting on three catches for 14 yards for the bulk of the game. Um, you know, Troy Aikman talking about, you know, he's, you know, this guy probably just ejecting me. The flags aren't working. Um, the coaches weren't really grabbing him. Players weren't really grabbing him. He was just running hot. You know, <clears throat> ear-hold Norman, which could have really seriously hurt him with all the danger of player safety concussions. He teed him up, targeted him, helmet to helmet, helmet to the temporal, to the jaw area. Could have severely injured uh, Josh Norman in Carolina. He's one of their best players, and they're trying to make the Super Bowl run. The Giants are struggling and fighting to make the playoffs. Playoffs is what they're trying to do right now. Um, So he appealed his suspension. He's suspended for one game for all of the unsportsmanlike stuff that he was doing throughout the game against Josh Norman. So he's apologizing now, um, admitting that his behavior was embarrassing. This court to TMZ issued a statement, talked about he wasn't raised like that, uh, wasn't raised that like he did the other day. He wanted to apologize to Giants fans. Uh, he embarrassed the team, embarrassed himself. Uh, his actions as a role model, keep look up to him. He, accepts that, takes that responsibility seriously, but, you know, he did not display his sportsmanship. Talked about how, um, you know, he wasn't ready to be that way, wondering what he should tell parents when they're asking him, what do we tell our kids about your conduct? You know, he he hopes to be an example of somebody who did something wrong and learned for it. Blessed the privilege to play in the league. Uh, you know, wants to honor everybody and you know, act right, carry himself in a way to honor the game and everything going forward. But, you know, it was clear he had went off the deep end and stayed off the deep end. It wasn't just a player or two. This just continued throughout the game. Uh, Norman was fined $26,000 because he got some shots in too, which, I mean, after a while, you couldn't blame him for the way 
you know, Beckham was going. But for this to happen, you know, it, it wasn't like, like I said, Josh Norman could walk into the field and line up across them in hand. Some of the guys with the bat, it was practice players, guys went to the field. Um, you know, a lot of teams have props that they, they use for motivation. You know, Miami Heat that year, 15 strong. Um, Pat Riley and Dwayne Wade, you know, they had this bowl that really didn't have anything in it, but some motivational quotes. But, you know, whatever works, you know. Nobody went onto the field with a bat after Odell Beckham. Words are words. This dude is one of the best receivers in the league. He is on pace to do Jerry Rice-type stuff. His numbers already in his brief career are comparable to Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver ever. Now, defenses are going to try their best to slow him down, you know, um, the Giants don't really have another receiver on the other side to take pressure off of him, so you load up to slow down Odell Beckham. He knows this. This is the only thing he I mean, true, he's still a younger guy. Hasn't been in the league that long. But you have been seeing other teams try to slow you down and come at you your whole career. You have a decent quarterback in Eli Manning. You had a great career at LSU when you really didn't even have a good quarterback. When you're at a school that, that isn't known for quarterback play, you still were able to stand out. Words, physicality, all of that. This isn't the first time you encountered this this past Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. You got an undefeated team coming in with a good corner. He might be one of the best corners you face all season long. But to lose it that way, all that happens now is that you become exposed, or this is the blueprint to slow down Odell Beckham. You were interviewed. He was interviewed over the summer, and people asked, you know, "What do you think best way to slow you down?" He said, "You know." get me rattled or get me upset. Well, now everybody's going to do that. You think the, the Panthers came at you. Or what are the Vikings going to do this coming Sunday? Everybody knows now that you have allowed your buttons to be pushed. Everybody's going to be stomping on those buttons from now on because they might not be as good as you physically and athletically, but now oh, we, can, we can mess with them mentally. And still find an advantage. We'll go that way to get our edge. Imitation is a sincere form of flattery. So every other DB, every other linebacker, every other opposing defense is going to imitate to the extent they can what the Panthers did because it worked. So until you prove that it won't work anymore, you're going to face this. Steve Young said it Monday night. You know, this isn't over. It's just starting because. <laughs> He, he he laid out the blueprint of what it takes to set him off, and when he's off the deep end, he's not killing your team for catches and yards and touchdowns and yards after the catch. So, you know, it's it's like a a, a guy in baseball if he can't hit a curveball, can't hit the off speed stuff. That's all he gets. 
not going to get a fastball in any count. He's going to get a steady diet of breaking balls. And until he adjusts to it, the pitchers aren't going to adjust anything because what they're throwing him is working. So Beckham now has a long way to go to prove that, hey, I can I keep my cool, but then these tricks aren't going to work. So we'll see if that's the case. He appealed the suspension uh, and lost the appeal, by the way. So uh, the Giants who are, are struggling to try to still be alive because, once again, the NFC East is horrific. Now the Giants play Minnesota, a good team, without their pretty much only weapon, you know. So that puts them behind the eight ball even more uh, than they already are at six and eight going into this game. So um, you know, we'll see what happens going forward with Odell Beckham. A uh, couple thoughts just in closing that I forgot to mention about uh, Kentucky basketball. Just some phrases that we hear, they're kind of, like buffers or insulators, if you want to call it that, you hear, and we've said it, we've heard it, this team is going to lose some games. And and we know that going in. You know, how many other Kentucky teams are going 38? No, well, it never happened until last year. So we knew this year team was going to lose some games. We also hear the phrase that there's not really – and elite teams in college basketball this year. And both of these things are true. This team has lost some games, already lost two games, and there can definitely be some more losses coming. And we know that there aren't really any elite teams in college basketball this year. You know, Duke has lost some games. North Carolina's lost a couple of games. Michigan State, you know, got all they wanted from Oakland last night. We know all that. We know all that. We know the team is going to lose. We know the team will lose some more. We know there's not an elite team, but yet we say all these things, and it's still, it's still like when the team loses, it's like what, what is, what's going on? It's just the nature of of being a Kentucky fan. You know, we know there aren't any elite teams. Kentucky is not an elite team. They could get a lot better. They still have a lot of potential. The talent there that is on this roster still grow and, and uh, progress towards hitting its ceiling. We'll see uh, if that is exactly what happens. Um, I just wanted to say that because those phrases are phrases that we say, phrases that we hear, phrases that we will continue to say, Phrase that we will continue to hear uh, the rest of the season. But uh, it still doesn't make the losing any easier to take. <laughs> you know, we knew that the team was going to lose some games. Still, when they go out and lose to Ohio State, <laughs> you know, still see the angst, still see the frustration, you know, and it, and it continues to be the case. Um, we'll flip back to the NFL. And, you know, just had to jump out of the NFL, back to Kentucky, now back to the NFL. Charles Woodson is calling it a career. Uh, it's 18 seasons in the league. Um, speaking of great corners, you know, speaking of guys who do shut you down, 
looks like Josh Norman right now. Uh, Charles Woodson in his day was right there. One of the great DBs, uh, a great athlete. He's done both plays in corner and safety. 39 years old now, uh, back with the Oakland Raiders, team that uh, he started his career with, got drafted by. Um, now, you know, he's, he said at the end of the year, this is going to be his final season. So it's going to take a couple minutes and and look at his numbers real quick. It's kind of reflect uh, because he spent the first seven, you know, eight years in Oakland, seven in Green Bay, and now the last three in Oakland where he's been a safety. 2013, 14, and 15, he played the safety spot, which is, you know, and 2012, strong safety. So, you know, Corners, get a little age on them. Don't be able to swivel the hips fast, get back in coverage, and move over to safety. But um, Woodson has had a, a stellar career coming out of Michigan in 1998. Um, you look at his interceptions, 65 interceptions for 966 yards, 11 touchdowns, um, 976 tackles, and... Look at the games, 252 games, started 249 games. So, you know, he uh, was at the Green Bay team, got a Super Bowl there, uh, finishing it up in Oakland. They're trying to get things turned around and, and making strides, moving in the right direction. They've one more here this year than they have uh, in the past. But just a great career. A great guy off the field, tons of charitable work for the Michigan area where he's from. Uh, of course, he went to college there in Michigan, too. Uh, a lot of fans here where I am, my neck, but Tennessee still hate on him because he beat Peyton Manning out to win the Heisman Trophy, and he won the Heisman as a defensive player, which you just never see that happen. You know, he's a receiver or a running back or a quarterback, usually when he won it as a defensive player. And you know, Tennessee fans have never gotten over that, and they still, you know, get mad and upset when they think about that. And he robbed Peyton of his Heisman. But congrats to Charles Woodson on an outstanding career, and no doubt he'll continue to do well in retirement. Uh, but he's another one who is getting to the end of the road. He's 39. <clears throat> you know, Coach Bryant coming to the end of the line this year. Tiger Woods. In limbo, physically, he's trying to get himself back, um, but he's a long way away. He's admitted that. He doesn't know when they're going to pick up a club again just due to the, the back surgeries and the knee surgeries and the issues that are in him from working on his game or being anywhere near the level that we know him to be at. So, uh, still father time. A lot of these guys that we grew up watching are getting a little age on them, and that's kind of where we are right now. But that will put a bow on this edition of Cash Talk Wednesday. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we'll be back again this time next week to talk about um, hopefully a win over the Dirty Birds from Louisville, hopefully eight out of nine. 
uh, as Cal will continue his dominance over Rick Casino. Uh, thank everybody for listening. Thank Lewis Morris for, uh, for jumping in with a sneak call, surprise call, and look forward to him again in two weeks. And we'll talk in depth to him. I have so much that I wanted to ask him right then, but I'm holding that for when he's on with us on January 6th. So um, tune in again next week and the week after. Uh, appreciate everybody who tunes into the show. The podcast will be up in just a few minutes, and all this I'm saying now will be on there, blogtalkradio.com slash cat talk. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Big uh, Blue will get a win Saturday against the Cardinals. And everybody, be safe the rest of the week leading up to the weekend for Saturday's game. Uh, thanks again for listening. This has been another edition of Cats Talk Wednesday on the Brandon Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. See y'all next week. Take care, everybody.